And that bothered me that people were trying to fix something deeply emotional, which was I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, so I need to be thinner, smarter, more attractive. I need to go to the gym to change this bit, but it's this bit you have to change. And the only thing wrong with you is you don't think you're good enough. And that's a belief, and here's how it works. You think a thought, and the thought makes you feel a feeling. And the feeling makes you behave in a certain way, which you justify because you think the thought. So don't worry about changing the behavior, or indeed the feeling changed the thought. What do you think it is about what you see that has people listen? I think it's hard for me to wrap my head around it too. But I think people want someone to simplify the workings of the mind. You know, we're all taught by teachers that the mind is very complex and it takes a lifetime to understand it and a lifetime to apply it. And that simply isn't true. When you understand the workings of the mind, it's not complicated at all. So I always wanted to make make stuff simple. You know, you can change like that. Can you change in 21 days? You can change in 21 seconds if you know how. In fact, you can change twice every day, first in the way you think and the second in the way you act. So I think, I, I believe it's the fact that I've made it simple. Everything I talk about, that the, the strength is in the simplicity and the honesty. There's no need to complicate stuff. People want some simple, but they also want it to be fast. We live in such a fast world. And if you can't give your message like really fast, people are just not interested. And I get that. Has it always been simple for you? Or did you have to go through some kind of transformation yourself where things just became clearer? No, it's always been simple for me. I think getting other people who are very invested, it's long, it's complicated, it's complex. So for instance, a lot of people I work with will say, I've got OCD or I've got anorexia or I've got anxiety. And that's very complex, so the treatment must be complex. And that doesn't have to be the case. It can be, but it also can't be. So it's always been simple for me. But getting other people to, um, to buy into the simplicity was probably challenging at times. I read that you knew your purpose in life in 1984. I don't know how many people have it on a calendar like that, yeah. where it just becomes that clear. I mean, one of our big channels, Motivation to Study, one of the big questions we get from people is, how do I discover my life yeah. purpose? And I'm feeling a lot of pressure for it, and I actually just don't know mm. how it works. So what is your purpose, and, and how did you discover it? My purpose, I would say, is to give people freedom and empowerment from their issues and their pain. That, that would be my purpose, and that would, would be what gives me meaning in life. And I think you know what your purpose is, because when you're doing it, it feels so right. When I'm on stage talking, it's not scary. I absolutely love it. In fact, it energizes me. When I'm working with clients in my office, I never find it draining. I find it invigorating. And I think that's the thing. When you do what you love and you love what you do, first of all, you feel like you never work. But secondly, it inspires you. It motivates you. And if I do what I don't love, I feel the difference immediately. And so we all have a gift, and I think your challenge is find out what you love to do and become brilliant at it. And, and we've all got something unique that we can do. So I guess in 1984, when I was training in hypnotherapy, I knew immediately, oh, this is me, and this is me for the rest of my life. I knew that that was my purpose, that was my meaning, that was my passion. 
And, and of course, the second wonderful thing is that when you do what you love, it gives you every bit as much as you give other people. Like I was speaking here this week and was saying, oh my God, it's so amazing what you gave me. I said, well, what you gave me was also amazing because you were receptive and you liked it. And so it's a great thing about giving and receiving, giving energy and receiving it back. So for the 20 year old who's listening, who's, who's wanting that so desperately, they're wanting to, to feel that energy, to feel like this is me, I want to get good at it, but they're not finding that yet. Would you tell them to be patient or is there a different way they could start to search? What would be your thoughts for that 20 year old? Yeah, you know, when I was 20, I was very clear. I was going to be a school teacher. My father wanted me to do that. He told me it was a wonderful job. He was a school teacher. I was going there. I was going to teach a training college and I was going to be a school teacher. And somewhere in that teacher training college, I thought, you know, I don't want to be a teacher. I'd actually like to be a child psychologist. So I began to switch my training. And then I realized again, actually, no, I don't want to do that either. Because when you work with children as a therapist, you always have three patients, mum, dad, and child. And so I was going there. But in fact, I went there and I went there. I, I became a therapist. I wrote books. I began to work on television shows. And then I created my own method. And so actually, I became a teacher after all. But it was a go over here and then go back. And I think at 20, you very rarely know what you want to do. And if you do, that's not always a good thing. Because I work with many people in their 40s who say, you know, all my life I've been a lawyer an accountant, and I've realized I don't even want to do that. It doesn't make my heart sing. But it's very hard to know at 20 what you're meant to do. So give yourself a break. Find out what you love. Find out what makes your heart sing. In fact, one of the major causes of depression is failing to follow your heart's desire. And we're so into, well, this is a good career and this has good benefits and the salary is good. And we think, but I don't, I don't love it. I recently trained a police officer to be a therapist who said, I went into the police force to make a difference and discovered I was just locking up alcoholics and drug addicts every night. And it was very demoralizing. And now I'm a therapist and here I am making a difference. So be open. Don't put any pressure on yourself. Just, find out what you love and when you do what you love you'll feel like you never really work a day in your life i mean i work very hard but i also feel like i never really work and that's a great thing two milestones 1984 discover your life purpose today 25 million people a week can you fill in the career trajectory between those two points it's a big question. But. So in 1984, I just, I was actually, I'd gone to college. I left college. I moved to LA. I became a personal trainer for Jane Fonda, which I loved. But I was fascinated by the psychology of bulimia and anorexia and orthorexia and body dysmorphia, which I saw in my classes all the time. It, it led me into my I'm enough movement because I realized that people with eating disorders and compulsive shopping and hoarding and drinking and addictions all had the same thing. I'm not enough, the core. I've worked with thousands of addicts. I've never met one ever who said, I'm good enough, I'm worthy enough, and I just drink for fun. They drink because of the emptiness inside. And the emptiness is the needs that were not met as children that they're still trying to fill. And so in 1984, I, I saw many things that fascinated me and and were all to do with this 
feeling of not enoughness. And so in 1984, I began to research the psychology of eating disorders, the psychology of not enoughness, the psych what lies behind addictions. And over maybe four years, I developed my own method of therapy. And clients would come in and say things like, oh, you know, when you said that one thing, or did that one thing, that was a game changer. But often they'd say something different. So I began to collate all the things that really worked for clients. Because therapy is not about the therapist, it's about the client. What's wrong, what happened. And I realized that to be really good, you have to do three things at the same time. You have to become what I call a detective, a good detective. A good detective lays out pictures and they look at them and then they try to work out what's happened in this scene. So I'd be looking at information and working out with the client, not for them. How did you become anorexic? How did you become bulimic? When did you become a hoarder? What happened when you began to have these issues? I never say what's wrong with you. I never even say, how are you feeling? I always say, what happened? What happened to you? Let's track back like a detective. When you're 11, you suddenly developed an eating disorder. When you were 12, you suddenly got contact dermatitis. What was going on in that moment? And after you've got that information, which is very easy to get when you ask the right questions, the next thing is to become more like a dentist than a detective and you start removing all those toxic beliefs. Look, just because your dad never saw you, just because you were the fifth girl and you should have been a boy, that's not you, you're meant to be you. So I, I would then, so it's like a detective gathering information, a dentist extracting all the toxic stuff, and then you become a coder. And you code in and wire in and fire in better beliefs, rather like if my computer started to slow down, I'd get an excellent, you go, it's got a bug in it. I'm gonna upgrade your software. But we have a bug in us, so we need to upgrade our software. And then in doing that, I realized that really all of my clients could only have one of three things wrong with them. And that would be a billionaire, an Olympic athlete, or maybe a school teacher, or maybe a, an unhappy teenager that was desperately depressed. And the three things are always, I'm not enough. That's the huge thing, I'm not enough. And if you start from I'm not enough, then you need more, more cake, more drinks, more drugs, more sex, more stuff, more shopping, more followers, <clears throat> because we've got so into I'm not enough and I need more. And it's actually very easy to fix that, which is why I have all these I'm enough bracelets and I have an I'm enough movement and we've got it in schools now and it's making a profound difference. The next thing wrong is what I want isn't available. I want love, but I'm not lovable. I want success, but I didn't go to college. I want to be free of depression, but I've got the depression gene or the alcoholic gene. I'm not really convinced they even exist, but the belief that I want something so much and I'm going after it, but it's not available. It's this block, these blocking thoughts, these limiting beliefs. And the third one is I'm different, so I can't connect. And that sounds silly, but it's actually the bane of people's lives because we're tribal people, wired to connect, wired to belong, wired to find connection, avoid rejection. But we live in a world now where we connect with our screen and we connect with our phone. And it's really damaging people. So 
I find with all my clients and with I've trained 15,000 people now to be RTT therapists or coaches and I always say look don't make it complicated look for those three things you'll find them and when you look for those it can only be one of those three things or degrees of it it just makes life so simple because clients love it when you say look I know we're talking about the addiction to alcohol and the addiction to drugs and the self-sabotage and the present but really the only thing wrong with you is you don't think you're good enough the law of control says it all starts with a thought but changing your thoughts is easy it's free can be instant and so I really like to simplify what makes humans tick because what's the point of making it complicated how does that help anyone who says well I'm messed up and so hard to change and people can't change it's like well that's not correct who taught you that you from the minute you're born you're changing oh you know it's it's long and arduous to recover no it isn't some people recover like that some people don't but you could be one of the ones that changes your thoughts changes your feelings changes your actions after all